right. Hey, all. Hey. All right, we're going to do something today. We don't do it every time. Occasionally we do. Um, we're going to read straight through the passage we're having today. So I'm going to have you stand. If you grew up in a traditional church, you did this every Sunday. You stood and you read the, the scripture for the day. So it's Genesis 4, 1 through 12. <clears throat> Here we go. Adam was intimate with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, I have had a male child with the Lord's help. Then she also gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel became a shepherd of flocks, but Cain worked the ground. In the course of time, Cain presented, sorry, Cain presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flocks. Sorry, I've, I've missed it. Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flocks and the, their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious and he looked despondent. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you furious? And why do you look so despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must have rule over it. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to a field. And while they were there in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's guardian? Then he said, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed, alienated from the ground that opened its mouth to receive you, to receive your brother's blood you have shed. If you work the ground, it will never again give you its yield. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Would you please have a seat? All right. Okay. Feel yes, I hope you will by the end. I hope you will by the end. This is, this is an interesting passage that is, you know, early on, Genesis 4 picked out. Um, this is the one kind of story before we get into the further lineage um, of what, what happens after that. So it's, it's, it's significant, um, and it has a lot for us today. And I think what we've already heard today um, and what the Lord has already been saying to us through worship and through Gerald and what, what has been going on even in the service, um, I think the Lord has a message for us. Um, so open up your hearts and see what, the, what God has to say. His spirit talks to us. You, you, you only get about 20% of what you verbally hear. So I'm just praying that the spirit gives you what you need out of this message so that, that you know, we can, as a community, go and live for Jesus. In this account of Cain and Abel, we can clearly see a couple things. One is early on, after the fall, our propensity towards sin, right? I mean, it happens literally with the firstborn son. We also clearly see the end result of sin. 
that it leads to death. It's hard to believe how quickly this happened, right? How quickly things went so wrong. Like, how do you go from, you know, garden to the first murder, Cain killing his brother, like, right off the bat? It's a little wild. Yes, probably, we don't know, but we know when Seth was born, um, the, the firstborn son after Abel was killed. We don't know if there's children in between, but Adam was 130 years old. So somewhere between leaving the garden and 130, probably 60, 80, 100 years, we see murder taking place. That the, the, their, their nature was changed in such a way that within a generation, a brother is taking the life of his brother. That's serious. Yeah. That's serious. When I was trying to picture or think about, and I've, I've thought about this on a theological level, talking, thinking about our nature in the fall, that in the fall our human nature was changed, and the, the, what sin um, and the ramifications of sin took place. I, I like to think, trying to just get my mind around this stuff, I like to think of, of alignment. Um, ha, who's had a car that was out of alignment? Right? Everybody at some point. What happens? The car tires go bad really quickly, right? You notice they're all worn funny and something's wrong. When it's really out of alignment, You've got to struggle to keep it going straight, right? You're like, uh, and you can feel the, uh, 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 you know, you're just, you're holding on. And then if your, 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 your rotors are slightly off and you're braking with a car alignment issue and your rotors bouncing too, I mean, forget about it, right? So what, what I like to think is like, okay, you can keep it on track, right? That, that alignment, you can keep it, you can hold it, but you've got to, physically be holding it, paying attention, and not losing any focus. If you let go, what happens? The car begins to immediately drift, especially when it's bad. You will go right off, unless you've got one of those really cool self-driving cars, right? But that's not what I'm thinking of when I think about this. I'm not thinking of the, the, the nice Tesla or your new Rivian or any of those types of things. I'm thinking of the old car where you've got to hold on to it to keep it going in the direction you want to. Okay? You let go, what happens? It goes quickly off the rails. This is how I like to picture or think about the fall. So we've got Adam and Eve, right? They, they, they eat of the forbidden fruit. We, we looked at this in detail last week. The fall happened. Their nature was changed because of sin. And they became out of alignment with God. They now have to, to, to pursue the purposes of God. They've got to hold it and pursue, right? Hold on to it to stay in that alignment. If they let go, quickly drift off course, okay? And we see this in this passage. Um, we've got Cain and we've got Abel. Abel, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into the details. Abel's doing what is right. Cain did not do what was right. Abel was holding on, staying, trying to stay in alignment with God. 
right? Get that heart right, stay in alignment. Cain must have just let off the wheel just for a moment and just started drifting off to the side. So pre-fall, we've got Adam and Eve. They could just let go of the wheel. Perfect alignment. They can cruise. They were, in the, they were in the garden, enjoying life, enjoying the presence of God, walking with God in, in, in right relationship. After the fall, if, if they're not pursuing Christ and the purposes of, of, of God, if you will, future Christ, we've been talking about that, but then they'll begin to drift. The fall corrupted them, caused them to go off alignment, constantly veering and trying to get back on. Yet, as, as for us, same for us, they can choose, still choose what is right. Abel was choosing to do right. Cain, we'll see, chose to do what was wrong before the Lord. In Christ, and because of the work of Christ, the scripture says that we are made righteous. He makes us righteous. What's righteous? In right standing. We can, we can push that a little further. In right alignment with God. Because of the blood of Christ covering over a multitude of sins, because of the work on the cross, we now enter in to right standing with God. Through faith, through the work of, of Christ. And he realigns us into his purposes. He gives us a new nature. We become able to walk with God in such a way that we're not constantly being completely just you, it, pulled off course. We're going to get into it, to more of that as well. But we see early on the venom of sin taking hold. Yeah. Pastor Andy talked about the venom of sin last week being snake bit. Um, verse 5 here in this says this, snake bit. <laughs> says, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious and he looked despondent. Now, I kind of get it, right? Like, hey, I brought my offering. What's the problem here? Like, it's not like I just snubbed you and didn't give anything, right? I brought my offering. Same as my brother. Why, why am I not accepted? What is going on? Um, I, I kind of get that he's a little upset and angry. And you can, you can understand this too. But what we see is that it's a matter of the heart. Gerald just talked about it in giving. God is testing, was testing his heart, right, in the midst of, of difficulty and, and what's happening in his life. Right. We're, it's always a matter of the heart. From the very beginning, it's a matter of the heart. Even though the scripture says, and we'll, we just read, that if you do what is right you would have been accepted as well. But you chose to do what was wrong. We, we clearly see that it's actually a matter of the heart, that choosing. It's same today. 
It's a matter of our heart. We see here that Cain is jealous of his brother being accepted, getting his, his gift and, and him being accepted by God. And he begins to be angry at God for not recognizing him and his gift. And that anger begins to fester. And where does it turn towards? It turns towards his brother. And in that anger, it leads to, inevitably what sin leads to is death. He goes and he kills his brother. So jealousy and anger leads to rage. Rage leads to death. If we allow sin to take hold, if we allow whatever is happening in our lives that is not of God, if we allow it, th those roots to go, start going down, that is what leads to sin. Is it, is it sinful to be upset? No. But if we allow those roots to sink in to our heart, if we allow those things to go down deep, then that becomes, and becomes sin and leads to death. For me, I don't deal with anger all that much. That's not my, that's not my thing. Um, but disappointment, jealousy, pride, maybe a little bit, <laughs> right? We all have our thing, right? We all have the thing that we deal with, that we struggle with, that causes us to, to fester a little bit and to, to, to think, oh, I'm being wronged, or hey, I deserve that, or, you know, I'm all that, I, I am this, and I deserve whatever it is. Insecurities, our pain, unforgiveness, disappointments, financial issues, whatever it is, if we allow those things to fester, if we allow the roots of those things to go in and have place, and we don't bring them before God, then they will lead to sin in some way. And we usually take it out either on God, ourselves, or the people that are closest to us. And, it, and sin eventually leads to death, but what it first leads to is a breakdown of relationship. It first destroys the relationships that are most important to you, yeah. the people in your life and the one with God. We can't let those things take root. Problem is, is that we often, and, and you know, stand up and walk out of here if I'm wrong. We often like to flirt with sin. We often like to go, right up to the edge, right? And just peer off and look down and just get right up to it. It's dangerous. We get right up to that danger line. It's like we get as close to the fire as we can get without being singed. But we all know that that pull and, and still, you know, our fallen nature that, that we... I, I started off saying that we are made right in Christ, and we are, but we still deal with the, the stuff we all deal with here on earth. And the scripture says that we have to work out our salvation daily, that we, we have to walk in such a way that we are being sanctified in Christ. And so we still have a little bit of that propensity. I don't know that, that it's that, that, that yanking or jeering, jeering? 
I don't know, I might be make, jerking, jeering. I might be making up a word, but we're going with it. Just where it pulls you off to the side, right? Veering? 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 Well, any of those, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Problem is we like to flirt with sin. And when we let go, you know, and we're not focused, we can begin shifting that way. And we have to bring it back into alignment. Um, the scripture talks, kind of puts sin in three kind of major categories. First John 2.15 says this, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. We know this. We see this in our lives, that we can pretty much categorize the things that we deal with as fallen humans um, falls in these categories. The lust of the flesh. We, have a, we often can get pulled away by greed, by sexual stuff, by whatever it is. The things that we desire, we want. Um, it always makes me think of um, Schmeagel in, in Lord of the Rings. I want it. I must have it. Um, it just, you know, you, it, you see it, you want it, you, 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 you begin moving in that direction, and you have to resist it. Envy, envy greed, you covet something, and then the boastful pride of life. There's very few people, I think, that don't deal with pride at some level. Um, and it, it, all of these things, what do they do? They break down relationships and they eat from the inside out. You think of Cain. Was he immediately, you know, enraged to the point of going out and killing his brother? No, we see that it was a, it, there, there was probably a little bit of time. He says, hey, brother, come on out to the field with me. Come on, come on out here. It's like, oh, sure, let's go for a walk. That sounds great. <laughs> hey, Abel's like, yeah. Hey, some time with my bro, my big brother. That's great, right? There, there was a little calculating. It, it wasn't immediate. That this, this must have been festering. It must have been growing in him. And then all of a sudden, he, he could no longer contain it. And he's like, hey, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. If not dealt with, sin will lead to death. It'll lead to bondage. It'll lead to slavery. It'll break down relationships. Yeah, right. It will break down relationships. This, this, I, and sometimes this, this message feels a little hard. I, I'm, I take it completely different, and we're going to get into some more lighter, enjoyable stuff maybe <laughs> towards the end. But the real, reality is, is, hey, this is what we all deal with. We all deal with sin, right? We all deal with a, a, the, a propensity towards having the, those three major categories, having stuff, wanting more, thinking we deserve more. I mean, this is human nature, pride. We all deal with this, and that's okay. The scripture already told us here that we can overcome it. And we know in Christ that the, the power of shame and sin and death is no, lo no longer has its hold in us, that, that we have the victory in Christ.
We have to walk in it in that way. Verse 6, God asks him a question. So he says, Cain, why are you so angry? Why are you so dejected? I love that. I, I think God does that for us too. He's gracious. You know, he'll, he'll come and he'll talk to us. He'll, he'll say, hey, the, by the Holy Spirit, he'll say, hey, this is, do you, do you see this in your life? This isn't good. Why are you allowing that to fester? Why are you allowing that to stay in there? Why are you so angry? Why are you so downcast? We, can, we know from the context that Cain felt like he had been wronged, that he's mad because God didn't accept his offering, and that this caused him to be downcast, dejected, and become angry. We know that this is an, an issue of the heart. Verse 7 says, You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. God saw Cain's anger. God saw that he was upset. And we, from, again, going back, the, I'm going to hit what I, I said I would earlier, is that the scripture said that Cain gave of, of the, the harvest to God, but Abel gave the first and the best. So that was the, the slight difference. And, we, and, and it's kind of hit, pointing towards and hinting at, which this continues on, that verse I just read, at a heart issue. Yeah. That, yeah, he gave an offering, but he just grabbed whatever was maybe left over, or, or even some of the first fruits, and gave it to God. But it said, but Abel gave the first, and he gave the best. That was, that was the, the heart of Abel. Like, Abel's like, God, you are worthy of all of it, yeah. right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick out the very best, and I'm going to give you the best portions of it, the fat. And Cain, it seems, that only gave God some of the, the harvest, only just took a portion and said, hey, he, hey, here, in a sense. And so he says, if you would have done what is right, wouldn't you have been accepted? The answer is yes. If your heart was for me and you brought me the first and the best, you also would have been accepted. And I love this. God tells him the truth and he gives him a warning and then he gives him a way out. Isn't that cool? Yeah. God tells him the truth. He says, you would have been accepted as well. Then he gives him a warning. He says, watch out. Sin is crouching yeah. at the door, eager to control you. Anybody been there yeah. before, right? Sin is crouching at the door, yeah eager to control you. God warns him, hey, wake up. Wake up. It's, sin is right there. Yeah. Like it's on the doorstep. 
but you must subdue it and be its master. Yeah, in Christ, and this is again pointing to the work of God. In Christ, he has already overcome the work of the enemy and we can be its master and subdue it. We have the ability and the power to do that. And when we begin to veer off course, God will come and ask us some questions. He'll give us a couple warnings, but he doesn't pull the, the, the handle back onto alignment. He doesn't pull you back into the right course. He calls out, he warns us, and he says, overcome it. Wake up, repent, turn back to me. I will give you the ability to walk in, in righteousness. You will be in right standing with me. Cain didn't heed those warnings. He felt somehow justified in the position he was taking. And it continued to consume him to the point where he takes his brother's life. That whole idea of sin crouching at the door when, when I was typing this up, it made me think of, you know, the, the horror movie where it's like, the phone call is coming from within the room. From within the house, sorry. The phone call is coming from within the house. It's like sin is crouching at the door, right? It's, it, is, it is in the heart. It's inside of us. It, it's like coming out if we don't master it and take control over it by the power and the grace and the love and the, the power of God. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We know this. We know that, you know, the, these things, the, 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 the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, the lust of the flesh, they have a pull, they have a draw. But the, the hook of that has been cut by Christ and by the blood and by what he did on the cross. And we now can walk in, right, in righteousness. We now can walk with God. We can have victory over these things. Right. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Choose life for you and for your descendants. Early on, we, we, know, we see already that God has put in front of us a choice, that he doesn't force it upon us. We can choose to walk in life. We can choose blessing and not curses. For, and I love for us and our descendants, because we know our choices affect those who come be after us, that our choices affect our children. Our choices affect our children's children. This whole chapter Deuteronomy 30 is couched in loving and obeying God. And one, one thing that stood out to me reading Deuteronomy 30 this week is that it, it said, it talked about, God, God talked about the circumcision of the heart. All the way back in the beginning, God was talking about the circumcision 
of our heart. That this is where it all resides, is in our soul, in our spirits, in our heart. That we have to set our minds, set our souls, set our heart in the direction of pleasing the Lord. It's faith which leads to obedience that pleases God. That was the difference between Cain and Abel. It was the, 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 the heart posture, how they aligned with God. Even though Cain was the firstborn son of Eve, who chose to give in to sin and be ruled by it and act upon it, we look forward from there and now we look back. Jesus is that promised seed, right? Who, who overcame sin and death and gave us the ability to now walk with God in right relationship. In Jesus, we have essentially the same choice as Cain and Abel, as Adam and Eve. We can, through faith, choose what is right. We can, through faith, choose to pursue the purposes of God. We can, through faith, choose to put behind us jealousy, to, to, to extend forgiveness, to walk in grace, to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. We can choose these things because we no longer are in the grips of the power of sin and death. God has overcome that on the cross. And now we have the opportunity to choose in Christ to fully obey him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with a verse in just a second, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I wrote down, here's Jesus's challenge in the scripture. He said, repent, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He says, repent, turn from the stuff that so easily entangles us towards him, turn towards him, follow him. And he says, I will then bring you into my purposes. I will then let you join with me in everything I do here on earth. I have already set before you life, blessings. I've already set before you good works. Come, follow me, join me in this. And by the, the Spirit of God, we can do that. The early church, we see right off the bat, it was repent, turn from your, your, your sins, be baptized, join the church, the community, right? Receive the Holy Spirit. Allow the, the, the Spirit of God to come in you and empower you. And then what? Be and make disciples. Repent, be baptized, be, receive the Holy Spirit, and then go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. It's the same thing from the very beginning. We see the same thing in Cain and Abel, in the story of Cain and Abel, in Adam and Eve, and repeated over and over and over again in Scripture. Turn away from what 
is not right. Follow after the purposes of God. And he will empower us to live the life that we cannot live on our own. Our challenge today is to take stock of our lives, to come into complete alignment with God, fully follow and obey, fully submit to the work and the leading of the Holy Spirit, fully commit to the purposes of God for your life and for the, for, as a community, for the church. What I've been telling, talking to, I should say, the high school and middle school, I, I help with FCA in our, in our schools. The high school and middle school, over these last couple weeks as they start, is through different scriptures, but I'll always generally end, especially at the beginning of the year, to help them kind of get in right alignment. I'll say, hey, every morning wake up and dedicate your day to the Lord. Tell the Lord that you want to live for him and you want to be used by him. Just simply wake up, say, God, I want to live for you and I want you to use, use me. And dedicate your day to the Lord and see what God will do. And then we're going to talk about it next time we get together. Just, and so I challenge you today, set aside every day when you wake up, maybe on your breaks at work, dedicate, realign yourself and dedicate your day to the Lord and to his purposes to glorify and to exalt him. Galatians 5 says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. We have been set free. I'm going I'm to have you guys respond to that. We have been set free. We have been set free. We no longer have to live the old life that we lived. We, we have been given a new nature. We have been given new desires. We, our propensity is no longer for what is wrong, but for us, is for the Lord. And he has given us the victory. And he says, we have been set free. We don't have to give in to, to the, the sin that so easily entangles us. It says, don't go back to that any longer. Would you stand as I pray? Let me ask you this, and I, I want, I don't, eyes open, you know, I don't, whatever. Uh, who could use a little bit of a realignment? I know I can. And I think every day we have an opportunity to choose to be aligned with God, or we can, we can choose to pursue our own agenda. I want us to choose as a community to be aligned with God every day and see what the Lord will do. You know, a lot of times God is already speaking to us. He's already calling out like, hey, remember this thing that I've been trying to deal with? He's already doing that probably in each one of us in a different area. So I'm going to pray and let's give that to the Lord. We, we first repent in our, in our minds and our hearts. Then we repent in our actions.
we change the way we, we act. So let's go ahead and do the practice of repenting in our, in our hearts. And then I commission us to go and to sin no more, to go and to pursue the purposes over that thing. Usually he's only dealing with one or two things in our life at a time because he's gracious. But, and, and we often know what they are, right? Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your graciousness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy and that you do only deal with a couple things at a time. You don't overwhelm us. God, you're calling our names to, to come after you. And God, we repent from the things that we have allowed to pull us off course. And God, we choose to be in alignment with you today. In Jesus' name, amen.